Keep it secure because the Bible says here in this verse, you're going to find good if you do. Verse 9, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Same thing we've already talked about again. Lies and, uh, are going to be ultimately judged. Now I can think of a couple of uh, examples in the Word of God where we had Jesus as an example. He's a righteous man. And the Bible said there were false witnesses that rose up against him. Sometimes the righteous have people rise up against them and lie against them. Think about a man by the name of Naboth in the Old Testament. Ahab walked by his parcel of land one day, his vineyard. He said, I want that. Now, who's, who's Ahab? He's the king, right? So he says, I want that. But by law, by the word of God, brothers and sisters, by the law of God, Naboth could not give up that land. Amen? He had to keep that land because it was a part of the inheritance of his families. And that was a law in the word of God. So he couldn't give it to Ahab if he wanted to. But Ahab said, no, I want that at all costs. Well, Ahab went home, the Bible says, when he couldn't get it. He lay down in his bed and he sulked. Amen? Y'all know what sulking is, right? It means you feel sorry for yourself. How many ever gone and laid on your bed and felt sorry for yourself? Don't lift your hand. I don't want to see you. Okay. You know, you just sulked because you didn't get your way and... And that was Ahab. He, he's, he's a crybaby. Ahab was a crybaby. He just he didn't get his way, so he just went and laid on the bed, and he just felt sorry for himself. And Jezebel walks in and said, what, What's going on, honey, Ahab? <laughs> get up out of that bed. Not really. She's a mean old woman. She was. What are you doing, Ahab? What's going on? Well, Naboth's got a vineyard over there, and I want it, and I can't, he won't let me have it. So what did Jezebel do? She's a very wicked, evil woman. She started gathering the mafia. Okay? That's right. She started gathering the mafia in order to raise up a false witness against Naboth. Lied against him so that they could steal that vineyard from him. And had him killed. An innocent man had an innocent man killed. That's how wicked she was. And she did it by false witnesses. You with me? But ultimately, Ahab met his end. Ultimately, Jezebel met her end. Because as the Bible says right here, the judgment's going to come upon those who are a false witness. Say praise the Lord. Okay, so that deals with perjury. Now, let's keep going. Hallelujah. What verse am I in? Ten, thank you. Remember my eyes, I can't see. I'm doing this all from memory. I think that's what these verses say. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a lie no that's not a lie a lie is when you're intentionally misleading people that's error I said error I said an error it's called a joke it's called sarcasm my son always said looks at me daddy don't you don't you believe in sarcasm don't why don't why can't because he's always cutting up with me all the time can't you handle sarcasm daddy don't you know sarcasm when you hear it? I said, no, it sounded pretty serious to me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'm not lying. I was in error, but it was a joke. It was sarcasm. Don't you all understand sarcasm? So verse 10, the light is, look at this. The light is not seemly for a fool, 
much less for a servant to have rule over a prince. It's, not, it's out of place, isn't it? You see a servant ruling over a prince. That's an out of place situation. Let's say you got a servant in the field. He comes off the field. He goes into the house, you know, and he starts ruling over the master of the house. That's an out of place situation. Correct? The attitude's not right. The attitude of the prince is not right and the attitude of the servant's not right. Trying to overrule that boss here. Right? You with me here? Okay. So it's important to understand proper authority in life. There's some people, you know, they just want to take over. They want to be in charge. They want to be in control. But they don't have the ability to get the job done. You get the point? Okay. So this is what he's talking about. Now, there are some people who are not satisfied with the leadership that's in their life. Now, remember, practically speaking, this can apply to your job. It can apply to so many different areas, okay? It can apply to the church, whatever. But they're not satisfied with the leadership in their life. So, as a result of that, what often happens is that they will seek to try to overthrow that leadership. Okay? And, uh, you know, this is a real reality. It's called rebellion. So they're trying to overthrow that leadership. Now, if that leadership, even in foreign countries, if that leadership is bad and it's a dictatorship, and they try to overthrow it, right? Overthrow it? You know why a lot of times our government won't go in and overthrow a di dictator? Because what's going to come in its place is worse than what's there right now. You overthrow that dictator. This is a bad situation. I'm not condoning it. But you overthrow that dictator, and in the place of that, you might have the Muslim Brotherhood. And that nation will end up worse than what it was. It's bad, bad enough as it is. So a lot of times, wisdom is, even if it's a bad leader, they'll still lead those, leave those leaders in position because what's going to take its place is worse in its ability than what is there. Okay? If you've got a good leader, praise the Lord, It's, it's important that a good leader is not overthrowed. Now, let, let me just bring it home to you. We got a president, right? How many of y'all know we have a president? Okay, we got a president. We got a president. We got a president, right? Okay. So he's trying to do, I really personally believe he's trying to do the best he can. He's trying to do, do good for this nation. I really believe that, okay? He's not a perfect man. And, uh, this is, you know, really, even the Republican Party's fighting him most of the time. I think a lot of the Republicans, a lot of the Democrats, the parties themselves come out of the same school, you know, ultimately. But I think he's trying to do a good thing for the most part for our nation. Now, you might disagree with me. I don't know. Uh, but I hope to God that you're not the kind of person that's pro-abortion like some of them are and pro-homosexual like some of them are. Okay? So at least he's not. Um but let's say, you know, they're constantly opposing him and constantly trying to overthrow him because they don't like him. Okay, you overthrow him, what are you going to put in his place? You going to put Hillary Clinton there? Oh, Jesus. I'm, I, I'm going to just be honest with you. If you overthrew President Clinton, uh, President Bush, uh, Trump, whatever his name is, and you put Hillary Clinton in his place, I'm catching a plane to Honduras. Or wherever. I'm not going to live in this place, man. Okay? So that's what, he, what he's talking about right here. you got these people that they don't have a clue, man. 
they're just obstructionists. They're just people that got an opinion. And if they were able to overthrow the leader or the king and step into his place, they wouldn't have a clue about what to do. They don't have the ability. So oftentimes what people do is uh, they'll try to overthrow leadership. Amen. They don't have the ability to step into the place of that leadership to get the job done. And you know what the results will be at the end? Absolute, total chaos. That's the reality. Okay, let's go over and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes deals with this a little bit. These books deal with wisdom. Now, obviously, there's some, some that could be overthrown and somebody better could take their place in some situations. But we're talking about servants versus rulers, okay? Okay, Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 4. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Amen? Go to verse 7. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Now here you got the slave or the servant set up on the horse and the king or the prince is walking next to the horse, the servant. Now that's out of place. That did, it's not right, is it? No. Okay, so we go back to Proverbs 19, verse 10. Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. Why? Because they don't have the ability to get the job done. They don't try to overthrow them, whatever. So praise the Lord. Amen. Verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over transgression. Very quickly, verse 11, simply said is this, just let it go. Let it go. You go through life and you mark everything down. Every offense down. Everything that's done to you, you mark it down. Okay? And you don't let it go. Well, I, I promise you, you get live much life. You're going to have so much built up in you, so much anger and hatement, hatred and resentment. There's just some things you just got to let go and you got to put it in the hands of God and you know, let God work it out. Most people live like in the past. They do. They live in the past. They sit and all they can think about is what's happened to them. Poor me. And that's, not a, that's no way to live. The things happen to you, you just have to let them go. If you don't, they destroy you. They become ruler over you. So just look at your neighbor and say, let some things go. Yeah. Somebody did something to you, said something to you, looked at you a certain way, you just got to let it go. You know, most people, though, they, did you see the way they looked at me? You just mark it down. Did you hear what they said to me? Mark it down, you know. No, it's no way to live. The Bible's telling you if you're a wise person, when things come like this to you, you'll let it go. Just let it go. Praise the Lord. Like Brother Edmund said, the stuff that those arrows they would shoot at him, he said, Oh, go ahead and shoot me with the arrows. You know, shoot me through the heart with your arrows. But just make sure they go through. That I don't let him stop and get in my heart. Don't let it stop and get in your heart. You I mean you let it go. It hits your heart, you just let it go right on through. 
That's what he's telling you. Amen. Anger is a destructive power at times. There's good anger, but there's also real bad anger can destroy you. Okay? So you pray about that. Some of y'all holding grudges. You can't hold grudges. Brother Edmund said, I don't hold grudges. That's what he told, he told me. He said, I don't hold grudges, Brother Carter. You can't go through life holding grudges. you got to let it go. Look at you and say, let it go. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a wise thing. How many of y'all need to let some things go? Anybody here need to let some things go? You let it go. You'll be wise if you do. It's only hurting you. It's not hurting anybody else. So let it go. Amen. And they say, well, Pastor, I want you to be deep tonight. Take me where Bishop or Red Hot take me. Well, I'm just, I'm just bringing some basic truths tonight. I'm not going to take you to the heavens. Okay? I know. Get over it. Look at your name and say, let it go. And he brought us to church just to tell us these things. We already know this. <laughs> we could be popping firecrackers. So my father-in-law calls them firecracks. <laughs> I'll let you go in a minute. You can see how fast I'm going. I'm going twice as fast as I normally do. So you can go pop your firecracks. <laughs> Amen. So the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Verse 12, the king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion. How many of you like to look up and see a roaring lion chasing you every day? Is that, the, what, is that what you want? Every day of your life, get up a roaring lion trying to chase you down? How many I'd rather have dew on the grass? A life like a life that's like dew on the grass. Peaceful, enjoyment. Amen. That's the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to be looking up in a roaring lion chasing me. I got to, you know, the devil's a roaring lion. He's gonna chase you every day. But I don't want God chasing me down. Amen. I want peace in my life. I want to enjoy my life. Do you get crossway? With leadership, you get crossway with the king. It'd be like a roaring lion coming after you every day. It's not a way to live. So the best way to live is, but his favor is as the dew upon the grass. So develop good relationships. Now don't 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 go against wisdom and 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 try to try to be a person that bribes and all that. You know what I'm saying? And, but be, try to be a person that establishes a good relationship with the, the authority that's in your life. You work for a boss, try to create a good relationship with him. Amen? So to create a roaring lion. Because y'all were talking about him, you know. No. Go after the do. That kind of lifestyle. Create, create a good relationship with leadership. It's important. That's a wise person that does that. Amen? My wife... Has always, wherever she's been, whether she was at school, what, what, uh, number were you in your class? She was like in 11, I wish she would have been in the top 10, but she was number 11. I think she said number 11 in her class. I mean, smart, uh, see, y'all didn't know that about Sister Christina. Well, you should when you look at me. You should know that she was smart. She picked me. But she was number 11 in her class. That's how smart she was. Okay? 
And uh, she had authority that picked her to work in the office. You worked in the office, didn't you? Worked in the office at high school. Yeah, man. She she was just had that kind of personality, that kind of kindness and sweetness about her, that authority left for her to be around them and help them. You'll be a wise person if you be like Sister Christina. Amen. And then she went to work. I think every place that I've known she's ever worked. When she went to work there, she got such a good relationship with the bosses, she got promoted real quick into management. Because that's the kind of person she is. Okay. And right before, uh, well, Victoria was born, and uh, right after Victoria was born, her boss, uh, Manny Puka, who was the president of First Basin Credit Union, used to be Medical Community Credit Union, Manny Puka wanted her to be his own personal assistant, the president of the bank. So every, every place that Sister Christina, that I've ever known her, whether she be at the school, okay, working at Susie's Casuals, or working at the credit union, she always had an amazing relationship with the king. Amen? Well, he, she had to turn that job down because Victoria was here and uh, she didn't accept that job. But that's the kind of person she, she was. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I went to work for Manny and, you know, hallelujah. We won't talk about it. I did. I went and Manny, Manny hired me and I thought I was doing real good and, you know, but I was a little bit probably too honest. And, uh, anyway, he had some software and a license for software, you know, and license is supposed to be for one computer. And, uh, somehow it, it I think I might have told on him, you know, to the software people that he had it on multiple computers. And, and I was just too honest. I should have just kept my mouth shut. Wisdom would have told me to keep my mouth shut and let him handle it. But you know, honesty was coming out. I mean, I thought I was doing doing the right thing. So, I, and so anyway, he went to the hospital. About had a heart attack, and uh, he blamed me for it. He said, "You put me in here, Jerry." <laughs> that's what he said. You put me in here. I didn't do that, but that's what he said. You know, <laughs> Amen. No, we had a pretty good relationship. We see Manny from time to time, and uh, still today. But he, I tell you, I could never, never get to the level of my wife with Manny Puga. Okay. Uh, that's the kind of person that she is. That's the kind of pastor's wife that you have. Okay. Now I'm gonna go just. I'm gonna just gonna tell you this. You can't get along with her. You can't get along with yourself. I'm just. Uh, okay. Because I don't know anybody that that's. Okay. They've always liked her. Because that's the kind of person she is. Now, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm still learning. She's still rubbing off on me. But that's it. How many of y'all want that? Y'all want to have a relationship with the king? People in authority. People that look at you, they respect you. They want you to be around. They, they'll put you to, they can trust you. They know you're loyal. Okay? And they want you around because your personality. Your attitude's good. But the attitude's not good, man. You're going to have a roaring lion chasing you down all the time. And you might be a good worker, but if your attitude's not good. So this, praise the Lord. Let's learn from the word of God. Try to establish a good relationship with people in your life that are people of authority. Hallelujah. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. I always tried to have a good relationship with Brother Dice. He was older than me, quite a bit older than me. Never was my pastor in a sense, but he was my mentor. 
and I always tried to have a real good relationship with Brother Dice. I'll never regret it. He said, I could call him up on the telephone, and he, we'd talk, and he'd laugh, he'd laugh, and we'd laugh. Had a good relationship, man. I learned so much from that man. Amen. Well, he wanted to be around Sister Christina and I. So when it came time for them to go out to have an anniversary meal, him and Sister Dice, him and Sister Dice invited me and Sister Christina to go to their anniversary meal. Now, see, so we're lacking wisdom. We should have been the ones calling and saying, you got an anniversary, Brother Dice. Let's take, can we take you out to eat? But we were still young, still learning. So he had called us up and say, uh, Brother Carter, Sister Dice and I are going to go out for anniversary, you know, and would you and Sister Christina go with us? That's what had happened, you know. So we had good rapport, good relationship. Amen. Now, I, I, so we won't, but I won't talk about the ones that don't like us. We won't talk about that, okay? But try to make, try to make, create a good relationship with the, it's important. There's some people, there's some people in your life that you want a good opinion from. There's some people, don't even worry about it, okay? But there's some people that you want them to have a good opinion of you. You don't want them to have a bad opinion of you. Because it'd be like a roaring lion, man. Okay, say praise the Lord. So how many of you want to live life like your favorite, his favors as a dew upon the grass? That sounds a lot better than a roaring lion. Hallelujah, man. Always in trouble with the king all the time, man. Say praise the Lord. You get pulled over by a police or police policeman, you know. Don't, don't look at him mean and scowl at him and cuss at him. Say, yes, officer. I'm sorry, officer. <laughs> I'm wrong again, officer. Ossifer. No, don't call him Ossifer. <laughs> you got me again, Ossifer. Aren't you that same? Yeah, it's me again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then you have to write your ticket. But you know what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. I mean, I know this is basic. And I know you. I know you know all this. But it's good for us to go through the Word of God. Verse 13. Two things in this verse that are probably the most painful. Two things that a man can experience, and that is a child that goes bad or a wife that is a continual nag. Now, I'm not talking about any of you sisters. We find you in the next verse, or the one after, or whenever we get to the prudent woman. That's who y'all are, okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've got a good wife. Uh, but the Bible says, verse 13, these two things, probably the, one of the hardest things, two hardest things that a man can go through in life. And that is a child that goes bad or a wife that's a continual nag. Okay, so let's read it. Verse 13, a foolish son is the calamity of his father. Wow, what pain. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Okay, so you got some wives, man, that all they do is nag, 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 nag. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, it's like a, a ceiling that's got a drip. It's leaking, and it just drip, drip, 
drip. Now, one drip's probably, you can probably handle one drip. You might be able to handle two drips, maybe three drips. I, right? Now, some of you men, you're going to use this. I know you got a drip one. That's your second drip. You got one more drip. That's it. I know what you're going to do. And I can handle one drip, two drips, maybe three drips, but continual dripping, you know, the, the Chinese torture drill, the dripping that water, you know, the Chinese torture drill is really a picture of a nagging wife. I don't know if you know that. Okay? Say praise the Lord. Now, that's a painful situation. If somebody Now, <clears throat> On the other hand, remember these are general statements in the book of Proverbs that apply to a man. There might be a good, sweet woman, a prudent woman, living with a man, and all he does is contentious, fuss, and fight all the time. Drip, 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 drip. Okay? So it can go both ways. You can have a dripping man, or you can have a dripping woman. You get the point? So I, I don't want to be a dripping man, and I know you women don't want to be a dripping woman, do you? Praise the Lord. It's got quiet in here. Every time I talk about this, it gets quiet. Now, the, on one side of this coin, though, is I think sometimes the women nag because the husband won't do anything. Oh, I heard some amens out there. Drip one. That, that man of mine would just do something, I wouldn't always be nagging him all the time, you know? So that's, that's a reality too. Amen. But how many of you ladies ever got anything by nagging? I want to see a hand. If you ever got anything by nagging, it normally don't work with a man, does it? Don't work, man. Now you go over here and you tell him how great he is. You're the most awesome thing, man. You're smart. If anybody can fix it, you can. And if he don't know anything about it, he'll be over there trying. Praise the Lord. Most of the time. Unless you just got a real winner on your hands, you know. So, anyway, I think we get the point. But that's, this is true. A foolish son, a child go wrong. Pain. That hurts. It hurts bad. Really bad. And a wife just won't, just constantly nagging at you. That hurts bad. No, no way to live. Praise the Lord. Y'all believe the Word of God today? Yeah, and I think Solomon knew what he's talking about. He's married 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had a thousand women. Man, if half of them were contentious, No wonder he said this in more than one place. <laughs> right? Verse 14, next verse. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And that's what fathers can do. They can give houses. They can give riches. Success, financial success can be passed down from a father. Amen. Amen. But look at this. A prudent wife. And that's what we have here. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Somebody 
that doesn't always want to fuss with you all the time. Okay? But somebody, when you sit down, you can talk to. You can reason with. They have understanding. Okay? They're, they're easily... I would say probably the best way to put it is when you have a problem, you're trying to work it out, you can sit down with them and y'all can discuss it. Okay? And she'll help you. She'll talk to you. She'll encourage you. If you're a man, you get discouraged at times. And she can encourage you by the words she says. Okay? She's not letting you have it, not cutting your feet out from underneath you all the time. You sit down. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk this out. Now, I thank God for Sister Christina because there, there are times when we discuss a lot of things. We discuss things that go on within my home, within you know our family, uh, the church. What are we going to do in the church? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? And I can sit down and I can talk with Sister Christina. You with me here? And uh, sometimes I'll tell her, Sister Christina said, I'm not going to make a decision this serious without talking to you. You'd be really wise if you're a man, okay, you sit down, you've got to make financial decisions, big decisions in life. You'd be very wise as a man to sit down and talk it over with your wife. Don't be the kind of man to say, well, I'm the man of the house, I'm going to buy what I want to buy. Okay, you can do that. You can take that approach if you want to. But there is no, I can't remember any major decision that we've ever done, purchased cars or whatever, that I did not sit down and talk with her first. Amen? And there have been times when she said, I don't think we should do that. And I said, well, I don't want that car. You know, mm -hmm. we don't need that car. I want, I want. I don't push too hard because I know she's right, you know. But you know what I'm saying. You'd be very wise to sit down. If you've got a prudent wife, a woman of understanding, sit down and talk to her. Don't get so full of ego and pride that you can't listen to what your wife has to say. Am I telling the truth, Sister Christina? Have, have we ever made a decision, a, a, a serious decision, that we didn't sit down and talk about? We talked about, we talked about everything. And I know you do too. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all do? Y'all are married. Y'all talk about it. I got half, half anyway, half lifting their hand, half still thinking about it. But she's helped me a lot, a lot in life. And I thank God for it. I was uh, watching, just not very long, probably 15, 20 minutes the other day, uh, Winston Churchill, the movie on Winston Churchill. And that man, even... The title of the movie talks about how he about broke down physically, spiritually, and mentally. At the time Hitler was rising up to power, you know, trying to take over the world, he about broke down physically, mentally, and spiritually. And his wife Clementine, I believe that was her name, Clementine, was really the true hero behind Winston Churchill. Because the words that came out of her mouth when he was about to fall to pieces helped him to rise up and to be a, a hero in that age, in World War II. Okay? So it is important, brothers and sisters, if you're a man today, you've got a good wife like that. Amen? You need to thank God for her. And some of you, some of you got married before you got in the church. I got married after I got in the church. 
But I want you to think about it. Even though you got married before you got in the church, somehow by the sovereignty of God, God puts you with a good woman. Now she might not have been too good to begin with, but she's real good now. Right? Say praise the Lord. <laughs> and I thank God for her. Yeah, this is a work in process, I know. But you got somebody that you can talk to and they'll reason with you. Amen? Make decisions. You got, you're blessed. I'll just tell you that. Because the Bible says a prudent wife comes from the Lord. You thought you chose her. No, God gave her to you as a gift. Now, maybe don't leave the men out. If you got a good man, husband today, you know, good man, you're a woman and you have a good man. Then you need to thank God. Because there's not very many of them out there. Okay? So we got the contentious woman, always wants to fuss and fight all the time. And then we got the one of understanding. Let's sit down and talk things through. Praise the Lord. There's certain things that I can do for my children, riches, inheritance, things like that. But as far as a wife, it's going to come from the Lord or a husband, whatever. Seek God on that. Slothfulness catheth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Right? So he's talking about somebody that's lazy. Person that's lazy. Look at 26.13. The slothful man saith, There's a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. Some people won't go and do it. Some people won't go and do anything in life because they make excuses all day long for why they're in the condition they're in. They, you know, now sometimes, brothers and sisters, and I told you I was going fast and I'm moving, still moving pretty good. But some people, let me just say this, there are real lines out in streets. In that culture, there were real lines. Sometimes you could look out the door and you'd see a real line. It was there. Now, you don't want to walk out that door if there's a real line. But there's some imaginary lines. And that's what he's talking about right here. Is imaginary lines. There's a lines. They, they say, no, there's a line out in the door. There's no line out there. It's just an excuse for not fulfilling responsibility. Okay? Verse 14. 26, 14. As the door turneth upon his hinge, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful upon his bed. Lazy man. You know what a lazy man will do on his bed? He's restless. So they go through life making excuses. Amen? Never do anything because they all have all these excuses and then they're constantly restless upon their bed. That's the way they are. Amen? So go back to 19 again. And we'll come to another verse in a moment in this chapter concerning laziness. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Verse 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. If you obey the Word of God, it's going to bring life to you. If you disobey the Word of God, it's going to bring death to you. Pretty simple. Verse 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth to the Lord. And... That which he hath given, shall pay, he shall pay him again. So if you lend to the poor, so now we're changing really this, the focus here. 
we're moving, we're moving from the family which we've covered now to what you do to the poor. How you handle the poor. Okay? If you lend to the poor man, the Bible says the Lord will repay you. I want to say one thing to you, alright? And I'm not the old wise one. I'm just trying to teach you the Bible. I'm learning too, okay? But I will tell you this. If somebody comes up to you and they say, okay, I need to borrow 50 bucks. Okay? Will you lend me 50 bucks? And this scripture comes running into your mind, he that lends to the Lord, the Lord will repay him. Okay, and so you say, all right, yeah, I'll lend it to you. You know the fastest way you can lose a friend? Is by lending them money. If you want to lose a friend, lend them money. Okay? It can cause all kinds of problems within families, friendships, even within the church. So I would tell you, brothers and sisters in the church, if somebody comes to you in this church and they say, hey, you know, I'm a little short. Can you help me out? Can you lend me some money? Uh, that's the fastest way to destroy a relationship in the church is by lending people money. Okay? Now the Bible's very clear about that you're going to have the poor with you always. So what do you do? I will say, brothers and sisters, lend it, but lend it this way. I'm giving it to you. Okay? Because if you lend it to them that way, and you say, no, don't worry about it, don't worry about repaying, uh, I'm just going to give it to you. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time, they'll bring that $50 back to you. And they'll say, hey, pastor, I want to give you that $50 you loaned me the other day. Oh, okay. See? But it, they didn't do it because it was a responsibility or an obligation that they had to do it because you gave it to them. And that's the best way, if you're going to lend to the poor, the best way to handle it is, I'm just going to give this to you. Don't worry about paying it back. Okay? Now, you're going to really think about it then, right? So if it's $5,000... And they say, I need $5,000. You're going to really think about lending $5,000, right? Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said, praise the Lord. But I had a real close brother in the Lord. Real close brother in the Lord. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a saint in the church. Real close brother in the Lord. And he came to me. He wanted to borrow some money. And I had such high respect for that man of God in the church. And so I loaned him a certain amount of money. I never saw it. And in my mind, it was working. In my mind, constantly, well, I loaned you money. You, you're supposed to pay me back. And it just never came up. Conveniently, it never came up. His convenience, it never came up. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. As a believer, being honest with you today, I started getting bad feelings toward that man. Because he said he'd pay me back, and he didn't. And I started having bad feelings toward that man. Started thinking bad thoughts about that man. You're not the man of God you claim to be. You owe me money, right? But you see, that's what I'm saying. It'll destroy relationships. But if they, he came to me and said, Pastor, you know, not Pastor, but Brother, would you loan me $10, $50, whatever? And I say, Sure, but I want you to know I'm giving it to you. And you walk away and you forget it. Well, if he comes and he brings it back to you, just take it. Say, okay, great, wonderful. But he's not going to bring it out of an obligation. And therefore, you're not going to sit around worrying about it all the time. Okay. So, is that the only, am I the only one that's ever, ever happened to in life? 
that you loan somebody money and you're sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> And they conveniently forgot about it. And you're, but no, man, that was the deal, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you want to destroy friendships, you want to destroy relationships within the church, start lending money with the obligation that it must be repaid. Now, if you start going and you give people the money, you say, it's yours. Guess what? You're not going to worry about it. And you won't get caught in that trap. Right? Well, they're family members, so I have to lend them money, Pastor, because they're in my family. Let me tell you something. You're going to destroy that relationship. You better be careful about lending people money. Might as well just give it to them. Everybody awake? Are you okay? Okay. But of course, all y you know all this. You all know this. Why don't we live by it then? Well, you know, I learned I loaned somebody my little Hot Wheel car, and Jashan, where's my Hot Wheels? I loaned that to you. What you talking about? I loaned that. See, now we got a problem, right? You don't have my Hot Wheel car, do you? Of course you don't. They all get the point, right? Okay, say praise the Lord, church. I said, help you, man. You won't lose sleep at night. You won't be tempted to walk up to him in church now. Hey, man, you know, about a month ago, I loaned you some money. Where is it, dude? You know, I want my money. And I'm with him. I ain't giving you any money. Well, we're going to pasture then. Okay? Thank God that doesn't happen very often. So that's why I counsel you often, do not get in that. Don't start lending each other money. Okay? And I know you love each other, but that love can break down. Money. Something about money, does it? Okay. Oh, I need to get you out of here so you can do your fire cracks. Okay, here we But remember this, if you lend to the Lord, I just say give it. God if you lend to the poor, God will repay you. And He doesn't just pay you the money that you gave. He puts interest on top of it. That's right. You did something good for somebody, even if they put a sword in your back. No, I'm serious. When I do something good for somebody, I always have in my mind the possibility at some point down the road, they're going to put a sword in my back. But I still do it anyway. But I do it with that in mind. So that if I ever get a sword in my back, and I say, well, I knew this was coming anyway, but I wanted to do it because of the kind of person I am. Right? Somebody said amen. Yeah. Man. How many of you did something for somebody, but you knew in, in, inside, you knew what kind of person you were helping. You knew what was coming. All right? So you didn't really do it for them. You did it because of the kind of person you are. You made up your mind when you did it. I know what's coming, but I'm still going to help them. And you, praise the Lord. This is the way it is, man, life. Y'all okay? Y'all all right? Don't ever do something like, well, I'm going to, see, then you get into bribery. You say, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to help somebody. And, you know, they're going to be, be loyal to me for the rest of their life. I mean, we'd love to thank that, right? We would love to thank that. Don't ever go there. 
You're saying, I know I'm going to fix to do something for this person and I'm, they're probably going to betray me or they're probably not going to be faithful or loyal to me, but I'm still going to do it anyway. You better remember this. Okay. Hallelujah. Sometimes you do, do things to help people because you know they're going to do you wrong. You say, well, I'm, just, I'm going to help you out here because, because, you know, I want, I'll, just to release you from the responsibility, you know, to me. So there won't be any responsibility anymore. Y'all with me here? Okay. Start loaning money, trying to win friends and have friends and loyal people. They're not going to do that, man. You can't buy people's love. You can't buy their love. So do what you do because of the kind of person you are. And so the best thing is just to give it to them. And if they bring it to you, praise the Lord, it's a miracle. You know what Brother Dice used to say about books? He'd loan books out. He said, I've loaned books out. Brother Dice used to have so many books, he'd take travel trailers. When he'd move, he'd take travel trailers just to move the books. That's how much he read. And uh, so he'd hand out a lot of books and loan a lot of books. That's the kind of man he was. And he told Brother Carter, he said, you know what a rare volume is? He said, a rare volume is one that you loan and that's returned to you. <laughs> that's a rare volume. Amen. Just let it go. All right. Now I would think though if you enter into an agreement, now this is not talking about banking contracts and it's talking about individual things where you're lending to the poor. Okay? Amen. Okay. Verse 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Beat the tar out of him when he got a chance. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking, man. Don't take me so serious all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, you know, no, what he's saying is this, is he, you have to correct him. There has to be consequences for wrongdoing. Okay, there has to be consequences for wrongdoing, and obviously wisdom is going to measure it out. Okay, you do some little 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 mistake, you're not going to just overdo it, over discipline them, right? But listen, brother, sister, to the word of God: chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. You have a responsibility. My responsibility now, basically. My children are pretty much grown. But you have a responsibility. You've got children to discipline those children by the Word of God, to correct those children by the Word of God. It is your responsibility to do that. There has to be consequences for bad behavior. But what we have today is we have people paying or doing things, bribing their children. For, basically what you're doing is you're, you're paying them for bad behavior. You're rewarding them for bad behavior. That doesn't work. Don't You can't reward your children for bad behavior. There has to be consequences for bad behavior. Now, all right, here, so here we go. The Bible gives us the example. You're fixing to discipline them. Okay, you're fixing to spank them or whatever, right? Amen? 
And we've all had children, so we, we know we can, we have compassion on those who have children today, right? Okay. Everybody, you got compassion today? If you, have, you, you got, if you've had kids, you have compassion. Praise the Lord. I have compassion. I don't worry about it. Okay. But bad behavior. Have y'all ever got ready to spank your child, beat the tar out of them? No, I'm kidding. And before you ever hit them, they're screaming and crying and wailing. And so you don't do anything. You don't spank them because they're crying, right? You know what you're doing according to the Word of God? You're creating rebellion in them. Because there's no consequence, there's no discipline on your children. They know all they got to do is cry just a little bit and you won't spank them. So therefore, because there's no consequence, they're going to keep rebelling and it's going to get worse. Amen? Point being is you're not looking for the cry. You're looking for obedience. Right? Some of you, I'm going to spank you till you cry. That's not what you're looking for. You're not spanking them so you can hear them cry. You're spanking them, amen, till they can't. I didn't say that, tape land. I got a, I got a brother in the Lord that said spank them till they can't walk. I didn't say that, tape land. Amen. The object is not to make them cry. The object is to bring them to a place called repentance. And you will win, brothers and sisters, eventually, if you keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. And I know that there's some of them that are strong willed. Okay? But you can win. Look at your number and say, I can win. But you have, you have to bring consequence to bad behavior. If you don't, you'll never win. Okay? Y'all believe the Word of God? I, see, I believe the Word of God. I preach the Word of God. I don't, I'm not going to get up here and preach Spock psychology. Okay? I believe the Word of God. Now, on the other hand, though, we're living in some situations where there's abuse. The kids are not loved. They're not taken care of. They're not provided for. Amen? That's abuse. They need to be raised in an atmosphere of love. And you need to take care. You have a responsibility to take care of them and to love them. And to do your best to try to make them, let them have a happy life. There's nothing wrong with a parent wanting their children to have a happy life. A life of enjoyment and an atmosphere of love. And then so when you do discipline them, you do correct them. It's not abuse. You're abusing me. No, I love you. I'm correcting you. Amen. I don't know why and I don't know how. But if a father does not correct his children, I don't know why, brothers and sisters, and I don't know how. But that child will eventually hate that father for being too easy. Okay? And I think some of it has to do with life when they grow up. If they had never been disciplined and corrected and said no to, 
Okay? Then when they get up and they, they're, they're a little bit older and they're trying to live life and they fail in life because daddy never said no, daddy never corrected, daddy never disciplined. See? So I, I believe they do relate their condition to the lack of discipline by the parent. Okay? I don't know how and I don't know why. Ultimately, I'm not a psychologist. But I know this, that there was a sociologist that drove by a school one day, and I read this in a book, drove by a school and saw these kids behind fences. Boundaries. Behind fences. So that social worker got all the fences removed off of the playground so the kids would no longer be on the fences in the boundary. The fences were all gone, and when he drove by that school, you know where they were? They weren't on the playground playing. They were all huddled within the hallways and the doorways of the school because they had no security. So if you're a social worker and you want to remove all the boundaries, what you're creating is insecurity in that child. But if they've got boundaries and they know they have boundaries and they can go out there and they'll play in the playground. It's very, very important, brothers and sisters. Do you hear your pastor today? Hallelujah. Okay. You know, they say, you're, you're going to kill me. Well, I've been, when I was little, I was, I guess I deserved it and I guess I needed it. I don't think I deserved it, but I got whipped with a water hose until I had bruises all over me. Okay. And I'm still alive. And I turned out pretty good, Brother Andrew. Not many of you believe that. It won't kill them. Hallelujah. I tell you what will kill them. The Bible says you make them a child of hell. I tell you what's going to kill them. Is every time they want something, you let them have it. And you never tell them no. And you never discipline them. You never correct them. And they know all they got to do is play you. Throw their little tantrums. That's all they have to do. You know what I'm saying? And, hey. We all, if you have little ones today, we have compassion on you because we've been there, right? And obviously you already know all of this, but that's the truth. Sometimes I used to tell my kids no just to tell them no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm kidding you. I used to tell them no just to tell them no because I needed to tell them no because I had to give some boundaries. So now I knew if I say yes to everything, that would not be good for them. Okay, so, amen, I, I need to get you out of here. The firecracks are going to... A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Amen? Okay, so what? Basically, this wisdom is this. Is there's, there's some people that they just stay in trouble. All the time. You stay in trouble all the time. Okay? And I got some good people in this church. There's some good people in this church. And you are the kind of person that when somebody gets in trouble, okay, you want to you be there for them. You want to help them. And so you go and help them. 
and you find out they're back in trouble again and they're back and no matter how much you help them they just keep getting in trouble and this is the what the verse is talking about he just keeps doing it again and again and again and what is happening here brothers and sisters is this is that there's some people in life that get in trouble and they have problems and what they do with that is they give it to you that's all they want to do is they just want to give you their problem. So now you've got the burden and you've got the problem and you're dealing with it in your mind. You can't sleep at night. You're worried about them all the time. What did they do? They gave you their problem, took their hands off of it, and went happily down the road. And every time, so then the kind of person you are is they get in trouble again. And you let them give you their trouble. And they walk happily down the road. So you and I have to be wise and understand that sometimes all some people want to do is give you their problem. They're not interested in changing. They're not interested in, in, in making a better life for themselves or doing things different. They're not interested in that. They just want to take their problem and give it to you and leave you in misery and now they happily go their way. And I've got some good people in this church. And because of the kind of person you are, you're there, man, you'll jump at a heartbeat to try to help some of them and they don't want to get out of trouble. They're just going to stay in trouble forever and ever and ever. And no matter how much you help them, they're going to be in trouble. And at some point you've got to learn that's the kind of person you're dealing with. Because they're not even worried about it. Why? Because they gave it to you. Okay? So we have to be careful that we're not a bleeding heart. Okay? That we're a wise they were not creating a rep rep repetitive behavior. So they know, well, I get in trouble. All, all I got to do is just say, and I, boom, they'll be right there for me. And then here it is. The other thing about it, here it is. You're the one that's carrying it. You're the one that's burdened by it. And they're out there living like the devil. Don't do that. Learn the behavior of some people that no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to change them. They're just going to keep running after trouble and every time they do, their way of handling it is by giving the trouble to somebody else and they go happily down the road. They're not losing sleep. Are you with me? Okay. So I was an example. If somebody called you and said, hey, so-and-so is about ready to commit suicide. Well, you know, you know, you jump up, you call, call maybe family member, say, hey, I heard so and so about ready to commit suicide. And the family member says, oh, don't worry about them. They do that all the time. They'll be home in a little bit, in bed. But that person that got that call, it begins to eat at them. Man, that person said they're going to commit suicide. I got to go try to find them. So they jump in the car and they drive and they look and they can't find the person and drive for hours and they can't find the person. And so finally they call back to the relative and they say, I looked for that person, but I couldn't find them. And the relative says, I told you they'd be home soon and in bed. 
And so while, brothers and sisters, while he was out running around looking for the guy that's going to commit suicide, the guy was at home asleep. What happened? He was an expert is giving somebody else his trouble, his problem, and never had any plans on changing who he is. But the relative knew his pattern. Yeah, he's done this before. They do this before. See what I'm saying? Okay. So, brother, this is, I'm going to tell you something, man. Good people, pastors, Good people. They sit around. They worry about things. They worry about people trying to help people. Man, they're in trouble. And that person that's in trouble is asleep in the bed. Be wise. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Brother, I got a question for you, okay? Help, help somebody. Help them. But after you help them, if they don't get out of trouble, they just keep going back to trouble. Oh no, I know your pattern. You just want to give me your problem. That's all you're about. So I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You with me here? I've been there. Look, you never say pastor's been there. Yeah. Man, I tell you, I, I helped somebody one time. Me and Sister Christina helped somebody one time to the nth degree. Brother Edmonds told me the other day, he said, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that, did, that has done what you did to try to help them. Okay, he knows specifics. Okay. Well, eventually, brothers and sisters, it was just like they just kept giving me one problem after another. And they never had any plan of changing. Okay? Are y'all with me here? You understand? Okay. Everybody been there, done that? Well, I'm glad you're not lifting your hand because... You know, it's good that you're not lifting your hand. I'm just asking the question for thought. Okay? I think we all have, haven't we? Are you going to help them if you help them? Are they going to be right back in the mess they were in before? Look at the pattern. Say, I get it, Pastor. I'm trying to drive this home because y'all are good people. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to be taken advantage of. And when you're sitting around worrying about them, they're in bed asleep. Because they're masters at passing trouble to you. They have no plan on listening or changing at all. Only if they get a little trouble, a little problem. Well, I got a couple. Hey, will you, will you give me another chance? No! Amen? Oh, come on, Pastor. A little more money. Help me again. Buy me another car. <laughs> Is this helping anybody? 
Won't you ask him? That's your that's your line. I don't want to steal your preaching line. Is this helping anybody? <laughs> I got fifteen minutes, fifteen till nine. See, it's getting dark, so y'all can see the fire cracks. You might as well come to church. You can't see fire cracks in the daylight anyway. Right? The sun goes down, I let you go. But I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you because I've lived through some of this stuff. And I'm not kidding, man. You'll like be losing your brain, losing your mind. These people are partying. Because that's the kind of person you are. Okay? Say praise the Lord. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. How many of you will be wise in the end? So what are you going to do? You're going to receive instruction. Counsel. Amen. You're going to learn. The opposite of that would be to rebel. You don't want to do that. Because a rebel hates this. A person who's in rebellion hates counsel. Hates instruction. Okay? There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord uh, that shall stand. So what is he saying? We plan plans. How many of y'all plan plans? I'm plan plans. You plan plans. How many of y'all plan plans? Anybody, anybody over here have any plans you want, you got planned? Well, if you stop planning, you're not even alive anymore. Most people are planning something. Everybody's planning something, right? So you're gonna, we can get together. We can think about that. I'm going to plan on this. I'm going to plan on doing this and plan. Got all these plans, but a lot of times the plans that we have, they don't stand. But the Bible is very clear that the, the plans of the Lord, they stand. Say praise the Lord. So you'll be, you know, I'd be very wise to seek God. You know, we already talked about the first part of chapter 19. That person, uh, a soul that be without knowledge is not good, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. That means that person didn't seek God. That person didn't seek the Word of God. They just made a hasty decision, a quick decision, got him in trouble. Let him to sin, brother. You want to be careful. You want to get into the Word of God. Find out what the Bible says. Find out what God says. Amen. That's a wise, wise person that goes after the counsel. Amen of God. Because we know that His plans are going to stand. My plans don't always stand. All right? Let's keep going. The desire, okay, where did that, okay, no, verse 22, the desire of a man, verse 22, is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Better to be a kind, poor person than a rich, mean person. Okay? It goes back to the verse we've already covered before about, you know, it's better to be a poor person with integrity. Don't think money's the answer to all things. It answers some things. It doesn't, it's not the answer to everything. Kindness should be your desire. Kindness should be my desire. How would you rather be a kind, poor person than a rich, mean person? Okay. I see a few of them are thinking about it. Well, think about that. Rich, mean, money. Yeah. A lot of rich people are mean. And there's some poor people that are mean. Amen? Where do you put your value? What, what, what do you value? What's important to you? Okay? See, there's things that talk about 
what's more important, more valuable. It's more valuable to be kind and poor. Be kind and poor than to be rich and mean. It's more valuable to be knowledgeable. Amen? To have good character and, a, and integrity, moral life. That's more valuable, if, even if you're poor, if you've got good values, than to have wealth. God puts a value on different things. Amen? The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Amen. Important to fear God. A lot of people don't fear God. Brother Emmett said, people don't fear God today. If they feared God, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing, saying what they're saying, living like they're living if they feared God. The fear of God will keep you from sin. You need God. You need to fear God. I need to fear God. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom. He will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. You know, he, he's so slothful, so lazy, he won't even feed himself. Right? Now, there's some people who are helpless. You have to help them. You have to feed them. They're helpless. That's, there's nothing wrong with helping somebody that's helpless and can't feed themselves. But you've got somebody that can feed themselves. You pick up a spoon here. Feed them. You know? You see the uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, husband and wife over here, well, let me feed you. She gets the spoon and he feeds him and he gets the spoon and feeds her. Now, that's disgusting. <laughs> it is. It's disgusting. Amen. A slothful man, he won't, man. He won't feed himself. Put his hand in his bosom. So lazy. You know, and in the ultimate, ultimate aspect, the wisdom of this teaching is this, is that there's some people, they won't do anything to help themselves. There's some people only live for themselves. They don't live for anybody else. But there's some people, they won't even help their own, their, their selves. All right? all right? Praise the Lord. Let me go on. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. And reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. So there's some people that will learn. They see a mocker getting smitten. See a mocker, you know, experiencing consequences in life. And some people, the simple, they call them simple, look at that and say, whoo, you see what happened to that person? I'm going to learn from that. I'm not going to do that. So there is some value, brothers and sisters, in correction. When, when correction takes place, even though that person is being corrected, they may not accept the correction. They may not receive the correction. But there's somebody that's watching that. And they're saying, I don't want to end up like that. So sometimes the correction isn't for the person that's being corrected. Sometimes the correction is for somebody else who will learn from that. Amen? The Bible gives us examples in the Word of God. The people that got corrected, why? 
to teach you and me. Don't do that. You do that, this is going to happen to you. And that correction wasn't direct upon you. It wasn't coming on you. It was to teach you not to do that. Amen? Say praise the Lord. How many of you want to end up like the nation of Israel who died in the wilderness? When I preach that, you say, okay, well, pastor's talking to me. They, they, he thinks I'm one of those people. No, I'm preaching that to you and to me so I don't repeat that. And there's some people, they're never going to learn, man. Jesus, uh, God talked about it in Isaiah chapter 1. Man, they're smitten from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. He said there's no part of their body that has not been smitten. And they still won't change. So the smiting then isn't always for the person. It's for somebody around to learn from it. So I'm not doing that. Okay? Brother sister, got a question for you, and I think I know the answer, no way you're gonna answer it. If you see somebody get corrected, somebody get in trouble for something they did, let's say you're sort of living like they are. You got a choice. I'm gonna keep doing it the way they did it and get what they got. Or I'm gonna learn from their correction and say, Not me. <laughs> Amen. I'm gonna learn. And the Bible is very clear about that. Sometimes we have, there has to be a correction for the sake of other people. Okay, amen? He that wasteth his father uh, and chases the way his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Again, we've talked about that pain that a child can create. Okay? I want to tell you young people today and all you children today, your parents love you. You're in this house. You're with your parents. I want to tell you, I don't know a parent in this church that doesn't love their child. And you, you can hurt them like nobody else. You can create pain for them like nobody else. That's what the Bible says. You make up your mind if you want to honor your mother and your father. That's what the Bible says. If you honor your mother and father, you'll have long days. If you don't honor your father and mother, praise God, Amen. And when I'm, you get you get married, then you got to focus on your wife, and your wife's got to focus on you, right? But you're 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 a child, or whatever. Obey them, because there's a lot of rebellion today. What he's talking about this: a person chases the father, uh, uh, chases away his mother, wastes his father. The son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about rebellious teens. He's just rebellious teenagers. Verse 27, Cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. You know what he's saying there? Stay away from things, doctrines, teachings, people that will lead you away from the truth. Amen? Don't give yourself to that. It can lead, yourself, lead you away from the truth. So cease my son to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. Doctrine, people are saying, alright, I don't want to bore you tonight. But anything that's going to lead me away from the truth, something I want to stay away from. 
The foolish thing to do, man, is to keep aligning yourself with that. According to the Word of God. Verse 28, An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Right? An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, or what is right. They mock what's right. And the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Those, the, the, the person who commits iniquity, they love sin. They love it, man. They devour it. They live for it. Amen. <laughs> My wife today was jokingly talking about, you know, somebody's a little bit older and, uh, she, they were, she was saying that they live for gossip. She said, they live for gossip. And if they didn't have, any, if they didn't have anybody to gossip about, they wouldn't have a reason to live. Okay? Instead of people love, and mouth loves iniquity, man. They love sin. They love gossip. Some people love gossip. Some people love drama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, last verse. Verse 29, please stand. Told you I'd try to get you up by it. Firecrack time. Okay, 29. Judgments are prepared for scorners. No, that's the mocker, remember? What's prepared for mockers? Scorners? Judgment. And stripes for the backs, for the back of fools. So we have the mocker and then we have somebody who knows what's right but refuses to do what's right. They just always telling God no. Okay, so there's some very severe things. Uh, stripes and judgment. Now, what's going on here? Why is it getting to that place where there has to be stripes and judgment? Very simple. They don't listen to the warning. The scorner won't listen to the warning. The fool doesn't listen to the warning. And so all that is left, brothers and sisters, for that kind of person is judgment. So you be the kind of person that's wise and receive the instructions of God and live life with the correct attitudes. Amen. Whether it be in relationship to business, to family, to leadership, to rulers, correction of your children, all these things that we've talked about. We need to check our attitudes. It's very important. Amen. It's where the enemy wants to get us is right here. Right here in the mind, the thoughts. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, Lord, to rest upon your people as we dismiss them tonight. Keep your hand upon us, Father. Let us serve you faithfully. Let us take heed to the words of wisdom, practically speaking, ethically speaking, and theologically. Let us learn as a people and always be ready to hear the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Y'all have a good night. Good Fourth of July.